How you doing, wrestling fans? And welcome to another edition of John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast, the only wrestling podcast that brings you back 30 years with vintage audio featuring some of the biggest names of that time, covering all the news stories and breaking developments in the business from the year 1992. Uh, joining me tonight, as always, the renowned pro wrestling journalist, the former managing editor of Pro Wrestling Illustrated and so many other landmark newsstand magazines, Mr. Bob Smith. Hey, Bob, welcome back for another week. I'm so glad to be here tonight because it's like, hey, spring's in the air. Baseball yeah. is back. Uh, things are looking up. Things are in bloom, John. Yes, it's very true. The weather's nice. I did my walk today. It was, you know, comfortably in like 73 degrees and it was very cool. And uh, it's kind of a weight lifted off our shoulders in comparison to what we had to go through in the last episode, which was uh, certainly not a lot of fun to cover with the scandals. So no. this week, uh, it'll be a little bit different. We won't have that much anxiety, I think. I think you're right, because uh, like I said last time out, that was the hardest show I ever had to listen to and pull clips for because I was like, my yeah. mouth was hanging open the whole time and it wasn't a happy deal. It was just that point in history was really, really rough for everybody involved in the wrestling business, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, you know, uh, this was the uh, the, the week uh, afterwards. And I, I tried not to dwell on what happened the previous week, even though there was a Donahue show, but it, it was more of a lighter type of show but before, before we get into it and we'll be bringing on don libel in just a bit uh because he has uh the wonderful time capsule as we call it today uh that'll cover all those events from uh the week of march 22nd 1992 so don will join us in a second i do want to uh talk about our patreon community which is really a essential part of what we do here at this podcast because patrons are the folks that really help the cost of the production of the show. And uh, we keep loading up the patrons each and every week with new content. Uh, five bucks a month gets you access to the entire Pro Wrestling Spotlight library from that first show in 1989 and even before that with the college shows through March of 90, 1992 with a new vintage show added every single Sunday. You get early access to this podcast and our sister podcast, Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden, which is getting a, a lot of great reviews. Uh, and that podcast uh, covers the house shows at Madison Square Garden from 50 years ago. Uh, right now, we're covering the March 13th, 1972 show. So it's kind of cool to reminisce about that. So that's Matt Memories at Madison Square Garden. That podcast uh, gets released early to all the patrons. And we have levels for all budgets. Uh, the bigger the tier, the more you get. We get vintage magazines every month to patrons from one a month to four a month, uh, depending on what your level is. We have vintage audio from the early 70s through the 90s. Vintage video, 8mm films, unwatermarked photo sets are also part of of our patron tiers and we uh, do monthly video get togethers with patrons as well. We'll be scheduling another one uh, for, uh, for the patrons. As soon as I get back from my trip to Florida, which is coming up, uh, I just would like you to go to patreoncom slash John Arezzi to become part of the community and relive the history, check it out. And if there's a level that interests you, just go ahead and join. And once again, it really helps with the uh, production costs of this podcast. Uh, this show 
we will be covering uh, the uh, episode, which is the actual last show we do with Vince Russo. Uh, the partnership kind of falls off a cliff in the days following the broadcast we're going to be reviewing on this show. Uh, so uh, that, of course, will be covered with all the ugly details on next week's show. So this is a week reprieve. Uh, but for now, this show for March 22nd has a lighter feel to it. And Bob, uh, I'm sure you feel the same way. Oh, absolutely. And it was it was a refreshing little uh, sidecar here as opposed to what we've been having to deal with the last few weeks. And uh, we really needed it because it's like things were so dark last week. Let's have a little fun. Let's have a little trivia. Let's, you know, let's, let's, uh, lose, you know, well, it's, loosen it's up ironic. That's, that's the way I felt 30 years ago. It was like, all I'm right, that good. was an ugly one. And now let's have, you know, a little bit of a lighter, uh, you know, a lighter tone to it. And and that's why I was happy about the two guests that were in the studio with us. So it was, de- so it was definitely intentional on your part then to, to, to provide a more lighthearted week afterwards. Yeah, I wanted everything to go away. You know, I really did. But of course, you know, the callers, uh, you know, people were still interested in what happened on Donahue and, you know, what was behind the scenes. And but I just wanted to kind of turn the page on it. But unfortunately, uh, it just continues. I mean, uh, and then uh, and then Russo and I splitting up is uh, then kind of overwhelms everyone beginning next week. Wow, we'll we'll look forward to that. So, uh, do you want to get started with our Let's, history lesson here? I'm ready. I'm ready. So, this is from show number 150. This is our show 23 of this particular uh, program, and this show was originally broadcast on March 22nd, 1992. And uh, I'm going to take it right from the top of the show this week. I don't usually do that because there's some effluvia announcements usually, but. There's some really interesting things because you guys get get into it right from the get go in this show, and you introduce your guests, and uh, we have a little something in common, John, and we'll talk about that after the clip. How's that? Sounds good, Bob. Went uh, panel of guests here in the studio with us, and uh, we're going to talk to you about the world of professional wrestling and everything that's going on in and around the wrestling scene. Our special guest tonight, first I want to introduce direct from World Championship Wrestling here in our studio. He's known as the voice of WCW throughout the United States in the arenas, Gary Michael Capetta. Gary, how are you? How you doing, John? It is great to be here with you on 1050. Well, it's great to have you here in New York City, and uh, we're all pretty much troopers tonight, uh, braving the weather. And it was a pretty rough uh, go of it getting in here. And uh, on my right here, Michael Mansky from Worldwide Entertainment Marketing. And Mike, uh, the producer of the classic series of wrestling cassettes called Wrestling Classics. Hi, John. Good to be back again. And great to see Gary again, too. Yeah, you guys go back a ways, right? A long time. This is like a, an old boys club, you know? These, these two guys, John and Rezzy, with the most explosive wrestling radio show in the country. And on top of things... In fact, I think we have to come up with a, an appropriate middle name for you, John, like the, the Bloodhound. Or, you know, the he's Blood always Hound. there. If there's, if there's late breaking news, John Arezzi is there. And Mike Omansky is the man who wrote the very first full-length article on me. Very extensive interview we did in Wrestling Review Magazine and Wrestling Wonders. So we all go way back, right? Well, we're here as old uh, chums from years ago. Hey, you know, I was on Bill Mazur's show this week here at the station, and um, he, he was talking about what he... Uh, 
was a commentator for wrestling at one time, and I said, right. hey, you know, Bill, I got, uh, there's a videotape out there with your commentary on it, and it's by Wrestling Classics, the Tolis Brothers. That's right. And the Tolis uh, Brothers like, in a uh, sort of a one-sided match against Bob Nandor and Chet Wallach. Yeah, he said, well, you're not going to use that against me, are you? You're not going to give that to anybody. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm talking to Current <laughs> Affair about uh, giving them the tape. But anyway, we've got an exciting show lined up for you. We're going to take your calls and comments here at 212-477-5610. And uh, we're going to give you something to think about right now. We're going to give you trivia questions as the night goes on. And, Mike, we're going to give, you the, give them the first question. And, uh, hey, first question, uh, the prize for this will be uh, two videos, Wrestling Classics Volumes 1 and 2, featuring Buddy Rogers, Anthony Narock, and a host of others. And it's a multiple-choice question that you can think about uh, as John goes on to Gary and other things. Uh, multiple-choice of eight tag teams I'm about to name, which team did not hold any version of the Worldwide Wrestling Federation Tag Team Championship? Which team did not hold the championship? Luis Erdan and Tony Parisi, Dr. Jerry and Crazy Luke Graham, Pedro Morales and Bob Backlund, Dr. Bill and Dan Miller, Gorilla Monsoon and Cowboy Bill Watts, Argentina Apollo and Miguel Perez, the Tolis Brothers, Gorilla Monsoon and Killer Kowalski. That's eight teams. Seven of the eight held the belts. One didn't. I already know the answer, but I'm not going to spit it out, obviously. And later, by the way, we have some Gary Capetta trivia questions, too. I'll Let get me. the answer out of you. I'll get it out of you, John. He'll, he'll get it out of him. Um, I'll tell you what, right now that that was a tough. That's a tough question, right there. I like that question. Mike comes up with these uh, really yeah. interesting uh, topics, and that's a good one. Now, yeah, it was. John, it was really have, cool. You and I have something a little bit in common, and I had no idea until I heard this show. I was encouraged to come to the New York City area by a couple of old school sportscasters. One was Bill Mazur, and the other was Bob Wolf. Oh, wow. Um, Bob Wolf, Channel uh, Long Island. Wasn't he a Long Island News 12 guy, too? Yeah, and he also um, was working for MSG Network late in his yes. career. And that's, that's when I got got to meet him. You see, before I started in wrestling, I was a sports writer and a sports editor. Um, I was actually a member of the Basketball Writers Association. I covered Nick Games and New Jersey Nets, and I got a chance to dabble in Major League Baseball a little bit. And I got to meet these guys just through – you know, you meet you meet them in the commissary. You know, you have a, you have a bite, you, you shake hands, and they both encouraged me to. You know, I told them my story. I didn't really have college for my journalism career. I just kind of fell into it, and they were like, "Don't let that deter you from coming down to New York City." They 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 both said the same thing. It was like you should really set your sights on getting down here, and that really was an impetus for me moving from upstate New York into. Uh, into the city. So I owe them a little bit of thanks for the encouragement. They were really nice gentlemen, both of them, just tremendous guys. And I used to love Bill Mazur's Channel 5, 1030 Sunday night sports, sports show. Extra. Yeah, sports, sports Extra, yeah, Sports Extra. That's right. So yeah. uh, here's the Bill Mazur, Bob Wolf. We miss you guys, and the, they're just total yeah. gentlemen of real pros. Yeah, just a quick note about Bill Mazur uh, with all the sex scandals that we're – the stuff we were covering – uh, Bill brought me on his show um, a few days after uh, those sex scandals, and I was on that show. And i I heard the um, I heard the the show because I was going to put it up for patrons. Uh, but um, after listening to it and uh, some of the things that were said on that program, uh, I decided that I'd uh, use caution and and not put it up for patrons because there were some really 
you know, I was, uh, I was not in a good frame of mind and I kind of, you know, let out a little bit more than I really should have. So unfortunately for the patrons, even though being with a legend like Bill Mazur, uh, would have been uh, great for people to reminisce and hear. Uh, I just didn't feel comfortable putting that up. And especially when uh, when we were talking about Vince McMahon and, and Mazur was then like, get Randy Gordon on the phone. And of course, Randy, who was a big wrestling writer and with uh, Stanley Weston for a lot of years, uh, mm-hmm. uh, they were attempting to get uh, uh, Randy on to talk about why Vince McMahon still has a license in New York with all this stuff going on. Uh, but Randy refused to come on uh, live on the show. So it was just kind of an ugly thing. Um, I wasn't happy with some of the things I said on it. Um, uh, you know, like we said, you know, a lot of these things were allegations. And uh, I, I just, uh, you know, on a legal standpoint, I really didn't feel comfortable putting it on uh, for patrons. So, but anyway, it was great to be with Bill Mazur. So anyway, uh uh, let's get uh, back to it. Did you find Did you find Bill to be as warm and and just generally friendly as I did? Because Bill Bill oh, yeah. was really kind to me. Oh yeah, yeah, he was great. I mean, he was great. I mean, he uh, he treated me great with a lot of respect. And of course, I always had admired him because of what a le- legendary sportscaster he was in the New York market. And mm-hmm. uh, he was also a guy that uh, uh, that did play by play for wrestling. And, you know, maybe that's a clip I could play because he he broadcast he was a play by play guy for wrestling for several years. And I believe he worked in Buffalo. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah. And that show was a studio show. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was great. He was he was really excellent. He was really uh, into what he was calling, I think. And uh, that may surprise people who just knew him as as a, you know, as a sports uh, personality. And he also did the Channel 5 nightly sports news too on the on the news show yes he so, did so uh, that's that's how i got to know him i, I just yeah. thought he was pure class i really did oh yeah absolutely and uh, it was kind of funny because when i was on that show with him uh, i brought up the fact that i he you know he told me he was a wrestling announcer i said i was i'm aware of that because i've seen uh matches that michael yeah. mansky actually put out on his series mm-hmm. of tapes of him calling the calling the action uh several years even prior to 1992 but uh, yeah, it was kind of a cool thing uh, for me to be uh, part of that uh, show, uh, and uh, I was excited about uh, just kind of taking a deep breath and and letting the um, you know letting Gary Capetta have a part of it, and of course uh, uh, Michael Mansky, who's a dear friend, and uh, and even Russo, where I were kind of getting along that day, although the shit hit the fan the following day. Yeah, well, you know who else you let on the show, John? Don Who Lyman. is that? Yes. Yeah. And it, it's news capsule time, just like it was every week. And we have redubbed it the time capsule because it was so freaking long ago. <laughs> and, uh, and, but you know what? There was so much going on. And Don, one thing I liked about Don's news segment was that he found, I don't know how you found this, Don. You, you, you found these little nuggets of news that weren't just match results. You found out things about guys going from one federation to the other. You, you must have researched like crazy to get all that stuff into three minutes every week. I enjoyed it. I always treated I, it as if I was writing a, a regular uh, news story, if I was on the radio doing news. Um, but mm-hmm. I used to 
Boy, I tell you, I was just telling John today earlier, and it was such a wonderful era, and we were running so fast, going so many shows, meeting so many of the boys that it was just nonstop, go, 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 enjoying every minute of it. And uh, you look back and go, well, how did they make it through some of that stuff? But I asked so many questions with people. Uh, guys would talk about things in the dressing room or just at a meal and stuff. You always get good nuggets from the boys. So uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I was going to ask you that because it's like, you know, as, as we discussed on the show earlier, my tack with wrestling was kind of yours is in that I was looking at it from a business and wrestling psychology perspective. That was my interest. You, on the other hand, got to know a lot of the wrestlers probably more intimately than I did. Did you, and I'm sure you found that just getting to know them helped you gather news in an odd oh, kind of yeah, way, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. So you had, I had like Tito Santana and I had uh, Nikolai Volkov from New Jersey, Maryland. They would have things to say. Then I had Rick Martell, anything that went on in Canada, I'd hear from there. I'd be in New England. Uh, all the guys there, many of the guys there worked as jobbers on WWF TV at the time. So there was always stories to hear there. Of course, I was always there with the, the great killer Kowalski who would hear this and that. So there was always fresh flow of news going around. Um, I can remember many times uh, I, I would call Walter uh, Kowalski uh, once a week. I would call him uh, every Monday morning at 7 a.m. And I would call him at 7 a.m. because Every Monday uh, for a couple of years at around 6 a.m., Howard Finkel of the WWF would call Walter. Walter had a, a, a weekly column in the Boston Globe. And basically, Walter didn't know anything that was going on in the wrestling business per se unless somebody told him. But all the news that he got was from Howard Finkel, who then put it in. Walter just typed it up or had someone type it for him, and they put it in the Boston Globe every Sunday. So I had to get a lot of information uh, from that at 7 a.m. right after Walter got it at 6 a.m. So so it was always something, always a lot of fun. Wow. wow. One thing about you, Don, is the, um, you know, the diligence that you put into everything that you do, even to this day. Uh, sure. When you, when you want to find somebody, you find them. When you want to get information, you have a way of getting that information. And uh, you are really are a true reporter. I mean, this is what you've done all your life. Is uh, that's the way I treat it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. It, it just, I, you know, something just to, to, that you mentioned, Bob, about getting to know the guys. I found that the greatest uh, reward, the the best compliment, when I got to know the wrestlers personally, because as you know, as you know, around the show, and there's always a hundred people trying to do things with them or promise them this and that. But I was so fortunate to go to the shows, work some of the shows with them, go out afterwards, stay with some of them. And to me, that's the greatest reward that I had their respect. And I never took that lightly. Yeah. And, you know, with re the wrestling world, that's not easy to achieve. Sure. It's really not because that wall was always up. Sure. sure. You know, in, that, in that era, anyway, the, the wall sure. was always up. You know, I, I hate the word kayfabe, but, you know people would look at you coming in a locker room. The first thing they think is kayfabe if they didn't sure, know you. Sure. And uh, that's all changed now, thankfully, I guess. But um, yeah, it was a hard world to crack it to. You were really inside of it like crazy. So why don't we uh, uh, just, see what we uh, go ahead. I'll tell you, 
just let me tell you a really quick story. I can remember when you say kayfabe, I was in Holyoke, Massachusetts. WWWF had a show there. This was around 1976 or so. And I came in there with a friend of mine and we were meeting with Kevin Sullivan. And uh, I was just tagging along. And uh, one of the referees came out who worked for Angelo Savoldi, who that was his town. And it's the referee's name, he went by the name of Freddie Sparta. And he saw me by the dressing room door with another friend of mine. And he said, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. And I had said to him at the time, I was about 17, 18 years old. And I said to him, hey, I'm no kayfabe. And he goes, kayfabe, what, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? And I literally ran. And for half the show, I hid under the bleachers in the armory there. <laughs> because I was afraid they were looking for me. Because he he wanted to know what, what what did I know about kayfabe? And remember now, this is like 1976, 77. So it's a big difference how it was looked upon at that time. And I literally was scared and hid underneath the bleachers at the show. Yeah, you're like in this hidden little secret world, and all of a sudden you discovered yeah. like a, a catchphrase or a yeah, word yeah. <laughs> that was kind of like not a lot of people knew about it unless you were deep in the wrestling business. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. They were gonna put you in the put you in the room with the hot spotlight on you and have uh, Angelo Savoldi <laughs> come, Mel in with, come in with with, with Coogie McFarlane and uh, yeah. Phil Zacco <laughs> and Jazzo the Clown Jazzo who <laughs> worked at Boston Garden. They were all gonna interrogate you about oh. the but yeah, interesting interesting memories for sure. Yeah, wow. All right, so shall we go back 30 years to see what was going on? Yeah, let's do it. What's 30 years, the news? 30 years to the week, gang. This is what exactly what was going on 30 years ago. Don, take it away. Thank you very much, Scoop Arezzi, and good evening, everyone. Leading off tonight's capsule, well, the World Wrestling Federation continues to dig out among the mountains of allegations dumped on it from steroid abuse to sexual harassment. Now, last week's People magazine and Monday's Phil Donahue television show covered those topics, and according to sources, Tom Cole, one of the ring boys who was alleged to have been sexually harassed while in the company of WWF employees back in 1985, has come to an agreement with Titan Sports for a reported $70,000 back wages and has rejoined the organization. And the word is out that Hulk Hogan's appearance at WrestleMania on April 5th will indeed be his last for the Federation for an indefinite period. Now, Hogan is said to be relocating to Hawaii after the big show next month. Turning our focus on to mad happenings in the WWF, Kevin Kelly and Demolition Crush are now on the talent roster, so says the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly. In World World Championship Wrestling news, former promoter and member of the National Wrestling Alliance Board of Directors Jim Crockett Jr. was fired last Tuesday. Philosophical differences between he and Booker Dusty Rhodes are the reasons being given by the company for the actions taken. There is a clause in Crockett's contract prohibiting him from working for any other wrestling promotion for the duration of the contract, so look for Jim to continue receiving checks. And if you have been expecting to see Kevin Sullivan reappear among the employed of WCW, think again. K. Allen Fry, WCW vice president, claims no such deal has been or is in the process of being hammered out. Now, Sullivan is currently wrestling for the FMW promotion in Japan. Videotapers, warm up your machines because this Thursday evening on Philadelphia's KYW TV show Evening Magazine, our own John Arezzi will be the focus of a segment concerning the current state of affairs surrounding the wrestling game. 
Mike Shaw, a.k.a. Norman the Lunatic, and currently appearing as Aaron Grundy for Mexico's EMLL promotion, has had his bookings lengthened through mid-May. Wrestling south of the border since January, Shaw has been appearing in mainly tag contests as the brother of Solomon Grundy. And finally, dusted off from our results of Vault of the Year, 1978, 14 years ago today in Bangor, Maine, Andre the Giant was victorious over Butcher Vashon, and Bob Backlund successfully defended his WWF crown, winning by DQ over Spiro Sarion. For Pro Wrestling Spotlight Enterprises, I'm Don Libel reporting. Capsule time, 10-13. Okay, Don, how's the station coming? Uh, coming clear tonight or a little bit uh, fuzzy because of the weather? A little bit fuzzy. We've got about uh, eight inches of snow falling since 4 o'clock, so... Uh, uh, it's not just down there by you, but, hey, um, I'd like to take a crack at that uh, trivia question, if I may. Okay, Dottie. You could keep the tapes and give them to another listener, but I'm going to say uh, Luke and Jerry Graham. No. Luke and Jerry Graham were the tag team champions. That's right, Don. You they won know the, better. They won the U.S. tag team title in the WWF from Don McClarty and Argentina Polo, uh, and they held it for about a year. Uh, it for hurts. a year, Donnie. It hurts. Donnie, a whole year. He was snowed in for a year. That was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, John, I, w I would like to direct a, a question to Gary there. Uh, just to refresh uh, my memory and perhaps some others, Gary, that would be interested. Now, if I'm not mistaken, when uh, Buddy Wagner, who for a while was doing the uh, television uh, announcing, uh, uh, ring announcing on WWF uh, telecast, when he had passed away, I believe the following taping, uh, they gave a tryout, I believe, to three people, and you were one of them. Um, what I remember about that was I had worked for the... Well, I think no one's ever worked for the WWF, but I was a casual laborer for the WWF for two years, mostly in New Jersey, um, and doing high schools and colleges, and, and I learned my craft from, from doing those shows. And then in July of 1976, Buddy Wagner uh, passed away, and uh, I was asked by Gorilla Monsoon, who at the time had um, more extensive interests, business interests in the WWF, to come in and uh, and to do it for them. I think there was myself and one other fellow. I don't. The remember. other, I do know who. Of course, oh, tell me, tell me. Ed Darian. Ed Darian. Ed Darian was a very talented boxing announcer in Atlantic City, uh, and uh, was years ago involved with roller games. And he is really uh, the voice of boxing now. But I don't recall a third. I don't either. It was. I think I don't recall a third either. But that was the history of that. Real nice talking to you, Don. <laughs> looking forward. Um, I was serious. I'm, I'm looking forward to going to the Worcester show next Saturday night and. Massachusetts, uh, WCW is coming up there, so hopefully they'll have a good crowd. I'll be there, and I hope you come up to say hello. Look forward to it. Okay. Have a good show, guys. Thank Thanks, you. Don. Bye, Donnie. First time I saw Gary Michael Capetta on television, I went, who's this? Because I was the Joe McHugh guy. You know, we all were that watched the WWF in that era, and uh, he did a great job, and he worked for everybody. Here's a little trivia. He was the ring announcer for the I think they called themselves the NWF, Paul Heyman's first promotion. Hmm. He, was, he was the play-by-play -play man of that Jersey-based. Was that Bob Raskin? I can't remember who, yes. who ran that. Am I right? Yep. They, and they brought in all kinds of talent. The Road Warriors and, and, and Superstar Graham and uh, Abdullah. And they ran the New Jersey and upstate New York. They actually had a show on in Albany, New York for about six weeks. And Colony, they had a live Colony, show. Colony, exactly right. Oh. I was there. I was there. I went to those shows. World well, class in that arena too. <laughs> they actually brought world class championship wrestling to Albany, New York. Don't ask me how they did that, but they did that. It was a crazy era back then.
Oh, yeah. But that news capsule was interesting to listen to. I mean, not just, uh, uh, you know, the, the Kip Fry situation with uh, him letting Crockett go, because that was like the power Ooh. struggle was uh, getting hot and heavy there. And, and Kip was going to be let go not too long after that. Uh, I believe within the next couple of weeks that Kip was out and uh, uh, or had been reassigned within the organization. And there was a lot going on behind the scenes in WCW at that time. And, uh, you know, with Kip had just come in and now he's on his way out. So that that was going on. And uh, so there was a lot of the Philadelphia Evening Magazine show, um, which was uh, – uh, taped and then that was going to air. So uh, there was a lot in that capsule there, Don. There was a lot going on. Yeah, you get you, there was so many places to get news from or or to chase after a story because there was you know obviously more than just one promotion or two promotions. Um, so it was exciting. And and just to mention about Gary, I, I could I remember the energy he would bring to the ring. Not only how he said his name. You know, those three words that he would say and the way his body motion, he would have energy and like almost like Jimmy Lennon in California, where he would move his body up and get all excited. Um, He had a lot of energy. That's what I remember him best as. And uh, I enjoyed uh, from the first time I saw him on WWF TV to uh, the live shows. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when he was with WCW, he was under a contract with them, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. regular contract as far other than just going from show to show yeah i I believe that was the case and uh you and i we had a discussion uh earlier today about gary and you were just saying how monsoon and that whole new jersey click of the wwf at the time or wwf at the time uh monsoon was probably more instrumental in bringing him in than anybody else sure so, um, yeah, good news capsule, Don. Always something going on in the business, as there was 30 years ago. And now the time capsule is uh, closed for another week. But we got lots yeah. more to cover there. Yeah, but, you know, Don, like I always say, his time capsules were like two to four minutes long. And they yep. had they had an observer's worth of news in them. I don't know how yeah. he did it, how he crammed all that stuff into that tiny little well, you know, you guys got you guys got really succinct when you went to the station. Yeah. Uh, to the Manhattan station because it's like you had an hour instead of two or an hour and a half or whatever your old time and you had to get it in there. You had to really punch it. Yeah, 50 uh, you know, it was 50 minutes of content, 10 com- 10 minutes of commercials typically. Uh, and there wasn't not a lot of time to, to put everything in. That's why when we did the two-hour uh, broadcast the week previous, that was kind of cool. And we had so many uh, uh, shows at WGBB that were two hours, and uh, people loved that two-hour broadcast. But there was never – it never seemed – we never seemed to have enough time with the hour broadcast. Yeah. You, you obviously, you had to gloss over points you wanted to make and just oh, – yeah. But at other times it was so seamless. You would go right from one guest to another and you would really have a nice pace and a good flow. So you did the best with what, you know, with the time you were given, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But I know it was a lot of stress, you know, in in another way, in addition to all the old ways. Yes. There was a constant stress and, you know, uh, and the kettle was going to blow its lid next week. So, uh, Let's enjoy this uh, jovial time <laughs> before we have to go into that next week. 
Yeah. Well, you know, we're talking about Mr. Vince Russo and uh, he's going to bring in a couple of surprise callers. And I have to admit, uh, one of them I'm really impressed with. And I was impressed with him at the time. But let's listen and, you know, let's see uh, what these two newcomers have to bring to the table, shall we? You got it. You're next, Anthony. Yeah, hello, John. How are you doing? Where are you calling from? Uh, Brooklyn, New York. Okay, what can we do for well, you? Well, first, I'd like to congratulate you on all the work that you're doing uh, exposing the scandals that are going on in professional wrestling. It's not something I t uh, particularly enjoy, but it's something I feel has to be done. Right. Well, you're doing a good job on it, though, letting us know what's going on out there. Thank you. And uh, I'd like to take a shot at the first trivia question. Sure. Go right ahead. Is the answer Gorilla Monsoon and Killer Kowalski? No, they were the tag team champions. They won it from Skull Murphy and Brute Bernard and lost it to uh, the Tolis Brothers. Okay, then. Okay. Right. Wait a second. We got a bulletin coming in from Vince Russo. I, I hate to interrupt the show here, but we have two surprise callers on the phone. Uh -huh. And uh, what line is that? Yes, go ahead. Hey, this is Marcus Alexander Bagwell, the new rookie sensation with WCW. Marcus, how you doing? What's going on, man? Nice to hear from you. Hey, it's good to be here. Where are you calling from? Hey, we're in Kansas City. All right. We just got done with our matches, and we are here in Kansas City. Happening. What are you guys up to, man? We're here talking about the Meadowlands now. You're going to be making your debut at the Meadowlands hey, coming up on the 31st. Hey, my first shot at the Meadowlands. And he's got the tailor-made man at the Meadowlands. tailor-made man could be in trouble at the Meadowlands. What's going to happen, Marcus? You hey, think... I'm going to teach him a lesson. Yeah? Hey, you know, you can't take nothing away from Terrence Taylor. He's been around a long time. He's a great wrestler. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to give him my best shot. We'll see if I come out on top. Can I give you a little bit of advice? Yeah, you can. Well... I'm going to give you advice for you to get advice and talk a little bit to the natural Dustin Rhodes and the Stinger because I think they've tangled with him before. Maybe hey, it'll be I'll helpful. I'll tell you what, you know, the Stinger and Dustin Rhodes have been really helping me out a lot. Mm -hmm. They're there for me, you know, and they've been, you know, I'm the new rookie. I'm going to find my way from the bottom, you know, but they're helping me out a lot on the way to the top, you know. There's one reason for that, Marcus, and I think all the fans will agree that because they can see something special in you, they can see how you, how much you've advanced in such a short period of time, how dedicated you are to the sport of pro wrestling. Well, I really appreciate you know, I've watched since I was a little kid, and it is my goal to be the top. It's every wrestler's goal to be the world champion. And it's great to know that a world champion like Sting is taking me under his wing and showing me the ropes a little bit, you know? I second that, but... Uh Ladies and gentlemen, if you have an opportunity to see Marcus Alexander Bagwell at the Meadowlands on Tuesday, March 31st, be there. That's right, guys. Hey, maybe I'll show Terrence Taylor a few lessons. Well, we're looking forward to that show, the 31st of Hey, I got March. somebody right over here. Okay. That's ready to talk to you guys, too, okay? Another surprise guest. Bring him on. Hold on one second. You can also see Gary Capetta live at the Meadowlands. Hello there. Who am I speaking with? John Rizzi speaking. John Rizzi. We're here with Gary Michael Capetta and also Mike uh, Omansky. Gary Michael Capetta's there? Uh-oh. I'm in trouble. Is he there? He's the greatest announcer of all time, and he's so pretty. He's almost as pretty as me. <laughs> How you doing there, Gary? All right, Johnny. You're, you're how, up in New York right now, huh? How did you do? Yeah, I'm in New York. How did you do in Kansas City tonight? Oh, I did great. The fans out here are just great. I just, I just love it out here in Kansas City. See all these beautiful Western girls. I'll tell you, I'm having the time of my life. I saw Johnny B. Bad two nights ago in Topeka, Kansas, and I'm still picking confetti out of my hair. Well, you know something, Gary? I'm so outrageous, it's contagious, baby. Johnny, we were talking before the show. I think you've got the world's best uh, entrance to the ring in the wrestling business. Oh, 
hush, child. You're flattering me to death now. Well, I tell you one thing. When I, when I walk out there to that ring, I have so much fun with them people. The people, they hear my music playing, they stand up, they start cheering and dancing. And, and I'll tell you, one of the biggest parts of being a professional wrestler is seeing a smile on them people's faces. And, and uh, the, more, the more I see that, the more it gets me psyched up to come out there and do my thing. Now, John, you know, John, I know that Johnny B. Bad is... He is humble in a certain way. Mm -hmm. on, the, on the surface, it doesn't seem so. But I, I want all of the fans to know that Johnny B. Bad, when he is not wrestling and he's not traveling, he takes his time and he goes out to many children's hospitals, veterans' hospitals, talks to kids. And, uh, Johnny, why don't you tell them a little bit about a couple of the groups well, you just... you know, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, the one thing is being a pro professional wrestler, being the position that I'm in today, um, I, I feel that it's uh, my duty to give something back to these people. The reason I'm in this position is because of these wonderful people out there. And if you can't give something back to these people, you don't belong to be a professional. Amen. And that's Good one attitude. thing about being a professional is, is giving something back. I, I love those kids. Those kids, some of these kids I've seen in hospitals and and in children's homes, and, and I even go to uh, senior citizens' homes. Mm -hmm. And these people, the one thing they all want is they want hope, and, and there's something you can go and you give your share, you give your time, and you give your love to these people, and they'll give it back to you because these people love you, and I love them. Well, we're looking forward. We might as well make the announcement right now that uh, uh, you'll be in town for the weekend, April of uh, April 11th and April 12th, uh, Saturday and Sunday. And uh, my partner, Vince Russo, out there has a, a store called Will the Thrill Videos, and uh, Johnny B. Bad will be making an appearance there on Saturday, April 11th. And then on Sunday, April the 12th, is our next big live remote at the Press Box in Bay Ridge. And uh, we're happy to announce that Johnny B. Bad will be our special guest for this big live remote from the Press Box Cafe in Bay Ridge on 4th Avenue uh, on the 12th. I'll tell you one thing. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to coming to New York and seeing all them crazy people out there. Those people aren't lazy. They're crazy, baby. And I'll tell you, I want everybody to be there and be bad, baby. Maybe we should have a Johnny Be Bad look-alike contest. Ooh, I think I like that. I don't know if you're going to find anybody as pretty as me, but you never know. I'll get my feather bow out of my closet. I have one. Oh, that's scary. <laughs> But uh, this is a this is a real good surprise. You guys calling in like this, and well, uh, you know we, we we love your radio station. You guys really do a lot for professional wrestling, and it's nice to talk to someone who knows something about professional wrestling. Well, we're certainly hopeful that uh, WCW, uh, even though it's going to be a little bit of a blow here losing the Meadowlands, but uh, we're going to start a campaign here. It's time to end the monopoly in New York City uh, with one wrestling promotion. It's time World Championship Wrestling is allowed to be booked into Madison Square Garden, and uh, we're going to uh, announce here. On the show next week, a campaign to write letters and try to get WCW booked into the garden because it's a, a long time coming and uh, I think the promotion deserves it. Because I'll tell you right now, I believe with all my heart that WCW is, the, is, is now the present and the future of professional wrestling. And the one thing, John B. Bad is going to be a big part of that. And I'll tell you one thing, we will get in the garden someday, and you will see the bad man doing his thing, baby. Okay. I didn't even know Johnny was going to call in tonight. I'm glad I wore my tuxedo, because he <laughs> likes me in my tuxedo. Gary, I want you to know I just love you to death. You are the greatest announcer of all time, baby. But I'm not the prettiest. Well, Gary, that's okay, because you know there's only one pretty man in World Championship Wrestling, and you're talking to him on the phone, Johnny. Be bad. All right, Johnny. <laughs> nice seeing you. Nice talking to you. Yeah, Johnny, thanks for calling in, and uh, right. good luck Bye, to you Johnny. and Marcus Alexander Bagwell. We'll see you both up here the 31st. And, okay, and, and I'll uh, tell you one, one more thing. I'm a bad man. Yes, indeed. God bless. Good luck to you. Bye.
Okay, very special surprise here tonight. Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Johnny B. Bad. Grace in the Airways here at WEVD. And uh, speaking of the Meadowlands, we could take another break here. Oh, and uh, we're going to tell you, Gary, why don't you take it away and tell the folks out there that's me. what's coming up on March 31st. I'm ready, John. It's World Championship Wrestling returning to the Meadowlands on Tuesday night, March 31st at 7.30 p.m. with a great lineup featuring all the great superstars of World Championship Wrestling. See the new WCW World Heavyweight Champion Sting defend the championship against United States. Title holder, ravishing Rick Rude with Paul E. Dangerously. Also, ladies and gentlemen, World Tag Team Championship, the Steiner Brothers meet Arn Anderson and beautiful Bobby with Medusa in their corner. In a special lights out match, it's over the top cage match. The natural Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham team up and try to stop stunning Steve Austin and Larry the Cruncher Zabisco. In a special attraction for the WCW light heavyweight title, champion Flying Brian defends the belt against Richard Morton. Also on the card, the unpredictable Cactus Jack faces Johnny B. Bad. Heavy Metal Van Hammer meets Big Van Vader and more. Tickets are on sale now at the box office at the Meadowlands Arena and also all Ticketmaster locations. That's WCW at the Brendan Byrne Arena at the Meadowlands, Tuesday, March 31st at 7.30 p.m. Don't miss it. I don't know whose idea it was to let Gary read it, ad copy, but that was brilliant. That was great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was in there. He's an announcer. I gave him a, yeah. a little extra, a little extra something to do. Now, that voice. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know who came up with the idea to do a little Richard character in 1992. Okay, terrible idea. But let me say this: Mark Merrow really worked that character. He was a good wrestler. I, I think he he was spectacular with the voice, with the visuals. He did a great job, I thought. I really did. And I got a chance to talk to him soon after he made his debut for a while at a press thing that Craig Peters and I attended. And uh, I was so impressed with the guy. How could you not be? Fantastic athlete, what? too. Real, real life boxer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, uh, where did he uh, come from? What are the promotion before WCW? I don't seem to remember. I don't know if there was one. He may have been, what was Maybe it? Maybe that's why I don't friend? remember, yeah. You know, I don't, I think he literally, him and a couple other guys, I think, actually made the wrestling debuts for WCW. I think around that time, remember? He might have Sergeant been one Craig, of them. Remember Sergeant Craig Pittman? Yeah. That, yeah. that was another guy from that era who I don't think had any experience before he made his WCW debut. I, now, I could be wrong about that, but if, if they had experience, I don't know where. I really don't. Hmm. Okay, my biggest recollection of uh, Johnny was um, obviously him being booked for this live remote, which we're going to cover. But uh, it was who his wife was at the time. Uh, Rena was her name, who uh, later became Sable and is currently Mrs. Brock Lesnar. But it was kind of – she was gorgeous. I mean, this was before – um, you know, going into the WWF and the enhancements that were done, you know, the uh, plastic surgeries and such. And she was always gorgeous, but um, sure. but uh, just you know, I had I hadn't I negotiated with her to bring him in. You know, he she, he she handled all of all of his business and personal appearances and such. Uh, but it was good interaction with her, and I'm trying to remember. 
uh, because obviously uh, that weekend that we're going to be covering in, in a few weeks, uh, three weeks actually, um, he made the appearance at the, uh, at the press box. It was a great live remote, and he was supposed to be at Russo's video store the day before. Now, I don't know if I booked him then at LNS Comics because I had an appearance with him in LNS Comics. It could have been that weekend or it could have been sometime after that. Um, my memory's not that clear on it, but uh, the biggest memory was like how quick he was and how great he went over in that live remote that we're going to be covering. But also just how strikingly beautiful and personable Rena was. I mean, she was, uh, she was incredible. Yes. I met her backstage at a WCW show. Uh, and yeah, we were all blown away. She's, she was a spectacular looking woman. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, she's, yeah. she's just, and, and, I mean, and she really stood out and I could see why she became a personality in her own right, because she just had the it factor going like crazy. And she was athletic, too. I mean, she was in good shape and worked out and was, you know, just uh, incredible. Uh, and she was over so big in that attitude era with the WWF, man. She was over big time. Yeah, she really was. I mean, uh... so sold, sold a lot of merch. <laughs> Hello, man. Way to put it. <laughs> oh man! I, I, yeah, who was buying the sable merchandise? That's what I want to know. Was it the guys or the women? That's you know, it's hard to hard to come up with an answer for that one. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, always. that was. You know, there was a lot of you know a lot of people who were just beginning their careers. You know, we're talking about uh, Bagwell too. Um, I remember seeing him in a tiny little federation in Georgia. Yeah, before yeah. He, before he, I forget what the name of that federation was. They had Nick Busick and all those guys, and yeah. it, I think it was just called Georgia Wrestling. I don't think there was any fancy name to it. And uh, I remember seeing him wrestling in front of thirty five people on television. And then the next thing I know, I guess somebody from WCW got wind of him. He he was always a really good looking guy, and I, I'm sure that helped propel his uh, signing with WCW. And that hat and then, he wore. <laughs> yes, he used to wear that top hat. He did, yeah. That was kind of silly, wasn't it? Like, yes. like what was the match they did on a pole? What did, with that gimmick that Russo put together? Uh, and w, wasn't it like, didn't it have a pole match with his mother? Yes, his mother was involved in something. Something on a pole. <laughs> I don't know what it was. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It was crazy. And they did a lot of crazy stuff with him and his mom when uh, Russo took over the book over there and took over the creative with uh, Bischoff. Am I the only one that remembers when uh, Bagwell took a bad bump on television, on live yeah. TV? And, uh, that was very scary. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if he hurt his back or what, but he was literally immobile. Well, I think he fell hmm. off the ropes, and it was a really scary situation. And I got to give him credit. They stopped what they were doing, and they attended to him. And it, commercial break came and went, and they were still attending to him. So you, wow. you knew it was real. Serious. Yeah, yeah. Hey, all that stuff. I mean, you take a bad bump, as we all know. I mean, it's scary to watch. Like, what did any any of you see? What happened to Big E and Big the e. WWE? Yes. Yeah. My goodness. I mean, he landed squarely on his head. They gave him a belly to belly suplex outside the ring, and he just landed on his head. He broke his neck. I have to give a mini, I have to give a mini editorial here. Okay. Situations like that. Stop the match. 
you know, stop the match. The man's hurt. And yeah, they finished. They finished it up, and they gave. The, you know, there was a beatdown with his partner in the ring, and uh, yeah, no, I know. And they were attending to him outside the ring, but you knew that he took a bad bump, and but they should have just went to a commercial. And the, and the announcers did say that, yeah, he's being attended to by medical personnel. But you know what? It drives me crazy. A man's hurt. Yeah, you know, and, he, and, Co- and Kofi Kingston was very concerned. You could see, you know, he was kept looking over there, but. Obviously, uh, you know, they were still proceeding with the TV and and didn't go to yeah. the commercial right away. But, you know, that's just one thing I don't like about the wrestling business is that this is a time-honored tradition. When somebody gets hurt, they keep going. But, you know, he broke his neck. Yeah. You know, I, I just I don't agree with it. I know the show must go on. Please. I, I, th- I think for me, one of the most gruesome injury I ever, ever saw was uh, Sid. Uh, Ooh, he, oh, your yeah. leg. Uh. And you could see his leg just flapping. I mean, and that was... That was horrible. That, that, that was. That's right up there with, what was it, Elway? A similar leg injury? or I, uh, I forget Joe Theismann. Theismann, that's right. Theismann just snapped his leg in a similar way, and it's hard to watch. I get the heebie-jeebies, man. Think, even that thinking about one that. was brutal. I, I do remember, although I wasn't there, obviously, but... Uh, years earlier, uh, Killer Kowalski knocking off Mushoak's ear during a match. And I asked him about that numerous times, trying to remember uh, to, to get a record of that. But basically, he said that his ear was uh, it was so cauliflower that it would take a good slap and the ear would fall off. And it just happened to do that when he came off a rope uh, and his, his shin sheared his ear and the ear was rolling in the ring. And uh, he said, uh, Walter, I remember saying he looked at the ref. The ref looked at him saying, I don't know. What do you do? And uh, they picked up the ear. They stopped the match. They put a bandage around Sherlock's head to, so they could try to stop the bleeding. And um, I remember Walter saying years later that after Sherlock lost his ear, he could see him walking down a Chicago street one day when it was windy. And because he was missing the ear, it was thrown his balance off. And, and Sherlock was constantly, as he was walking, trying to uh, stay level, stay straight uh, and away from where the wind was blowing into it, the hole in his ear. And Walter just left like hell at him. Uh, but that was another thing. He said, I just saw the ear and, uh, rolling in the ring. What am I going to do? I kept it going. <laughs> he didn't know what to do. You know? yeah, what a business, man. The show must go on. Yes. So what do we got? What do we got next, Bob? Well, we got callers taking over. There's more trivia questions. And um, there's a lot of talk here about the now legendary Donahue show appearance. Yeah, and I guess Johnny, no matter how how light of a subject matter I wanted it to be, it's still a lot of people were curious about it. It was the 800-pound grill in the room. You couldn't really not yeah. talk about it for an entire hour um, because yeah. it had just taken place, right? Yeah, and I was on it, so... <laughs> People were curious. Well, here we go. Let's um, let's find out what the controversy of the week was. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I shouldn't even say that. There was controversy every week, but uh, mm-hmm. let's let's go back to this particular moment in time. But of course, the calls are coming in rapidly. Well, let's try and see what we got. Let's By the way, Gary was just uh, writing feverishly that address so he can get his game. Yeah, beautiful. I'm on. I'm on the ball here, John. Let's go to Mike from Staten Island. Mike, you're next. Hey, John, how are you? Okay. I, have, uh, I think I have the answer to the first trivia question. Go ahead. Is it Gorilla Monsoon and Bill Watts? No, they're also tag team champions. 
Yeah, All you right. got those special sound they effects happening again tonight. They lost uh, another clue. The Monsoon and Watts held the belts and actually lost it to another bad guy team of Dr. Bill and Dan Miller, who are also on the list. So we're down to Serdan and Parisi, Morales and Backlund, Apollo and Perez, and the Tolis brothers. Well, when okay. we get to the tenth caller, we'll have a winner. There we go. Thanks for your call, Bobby from the Bronx. You're next. Hey, John, how you doing? Okay, John, I got two questions for you. What's the, up? Fir the first one: uh, this whole Kogan rumor that he's leaving. Is this Vic McMahon's character coming out? Vince McMahon's character. No, Hulk Hogan is going, going. He's going to be gone. WrestleMania is going to be his last match. They've been alluding to it on television, and uh, it's going to be all over for the Hulkster. Uh, next call, Peter from Flushing. You're next. Hey, John. How's it going? Okay, Peter. Hey, last week, great show, great impact show. Tell me about it. I still am having, uh, I can't sleep over the show last week. I just can't Ooh. believe the people you got on that show and the credibility you injected. Thank you. Fantastic. Um, I just want to ask you a question, and I want to make a statement. Um, on the Donahue show... Did you think Vince, you know, by expression, showed a great deal of guilt by all the questions that were being fired at him? Uh, I tell you what, uh, Vince was very, very nervous, appeared to me to be very nervous as we met right before the show. Uh, they brought him into the green room, so to speak, and Vince comes in and says, how you doing, guys? And uh, stone cold silence. No one talked to him. Uh, okay. But, but he... Um, See, he was corrected. A lot of the statements he made on Larry King and then again going to the Donahue show, he, uh, a lot of his false statements were corrected uh, on the Donahue show. It seemed like he was trying to take advantage of Bruno because Bruno was so excited. He was trying to say so much. That's the thing because you know? he, when the opportunity, the opportunity uh, came about for Vince and Bruno to be in the same room, uh, that opportunity doesn't come about too many times. And Bruno, of course, was trying to make the most of it as everyone here was. Uh, everyone on that panel because you don't get that opportunity very many times. Well, um, last week I noticed somebody on your panel had made a statement. This is the worst time for Ric Flair to come along to the WWF. I think I made that statement. Yeah. Well, John, I love you, but I have to disagree because right now with all the controversy with the steroids, what better man to take off the robe and see Ric Flair as a representative of the Federation, as a champion? I, mean, I, I, agree, a champ, you know? I agree in that sense, but as far as timing-wise, for publicity purposes... Uh, it was the wrong time for Flair to come in. I'm not saying he's, you know, I think he's an excellent champion, a great representative of the World Wrestling Federation and of wrestling in general, but uh, his emergence in the WWF and winning that championship belt uh, was certainly wrong timing because of the scandals that keep breaking in the press. Uh, the number to call here is 212-477-5610. If you have in a, do you want to throw out another trivia uh, question, yep. Mike? We have two questions make out. It, make it easy for him. Make it an easy one? Okay. This is simply name the wrestler. He's a former WWF Intercontinental Champ, former co-holder of the AWA Tag Team Championship, once claimed to be the world's strongest human being, and once managed by Bobby the Brain Heenan. Okay. Two tapes. Two tapes for that yeah. one. All right. Uh, we're going to go to our next caller here. I don't know who's on the lines, but we're going to pick one, and we'll find out. Hi. How you doing? Hey, guys. How you doing? Who's this? This is Adam from Levittown. Okay. What can we do for you? Uh, I have two questions. One for you, John, and then one for Gary Capetta. Um, on the Donahue show, since you were on the panel, I didn't. Know, I wonder if you noticed that uh, in the audience was Tom Cole. Yes, he was sitting next to Miss Elizabeth and yeah, Linda that, McMahon. That, yeah, yeah, Elizabeth was there too. Did you see Rick Flair with her by any chance? Uh, nope. Oh, just nope. checking. Uh, Mr. Capetta, I have a question for you. Yes, Adam. Uh, what was the best match that you've ever been ringside for? Oh, that's a real difficult question. I really couldn't answer that simply. It's been. Uh, I've been um, announcing for 18 years now, and that, that covers a lot of ground. Um, it's tough. I would have to say, in the very recent past, that 
Um, the Flying Brian Jushin Thunder Liger match has to has to rank right up there. Okay, thanks for your call. Let's go to Rob from Glendale. Rob, you're next. Yeah, uh, the answer, uh, Dino Bravo. No. Oh, it's not. Nope. I got one more question. Uh, is it true that Randy Savage is leaving? Uh, not true as of this moment. Okay, thanks. Thanks for your call. Bye. Number to call two one two four seven seven five six one zero. 212-477-5610. I guess we'll uh, give away some tapes in just a little bit. Maybe we should give a... Uh, who's the host of the show? You're right. <laughs> By the way, uh, if I just, just mentioned before we take the next caller, I want to uh, say hello to uh, all the friends and relatives of Jay Rosenberg at The Wiz. Yes. Uh, uh, Jay Rosenberg, who just got back from vacation, had a good one, uh, has made arrangements to bring in... Uh, all, again, all six wrestling classics plus the um, women's wrestling tape, and they'll be in every Wiz store in about a week. We sold out the last time out, and we're going to do a promotion, and there'll be more information about uh, the discount sale pricing right here on the air in the coming weeks. Now, I want everyone to listen to that because the Wiz is coming on the show to sponsor it for a few weeks and talk about these great wrestling video cassettes. And uh, you go out there and buy them because it's sponsors like The Wiz that'll keep this show on the air. Right. The, the, the tapes will be in the store in about a week, and you'll hear more about it uh, here. As I said, we blew them out the last time. We want to do it again. Um, six volumes of wrestling classics for Rogers, the Kangaroos, uh, the Wrestling Strangers Matches tape. Chic. And also Women's Championship Wrestling tape with Gary Capetta's announcing the first uh, women's title match held inside a steel cage in North America. Yep. Wendy Richter. Okay, we're going to go back to the phones now. 212-477-5610. Uh, Joey from Brooklyn. Fuck you. Thank you very much. Uh, very intelligent caller from Brooklyn. We'll go to Pat from Brooklyn. I Pat, you're next. Your plural. Uh, hi. Hi, Pat. Hi, how are you? Okay. Okay, was the answer Pedro Morales and Bob Backlund? No, they actually... Uh, that was, a, that was a, the trick one I tossed in. They defeated this, the... Um, uh, Samoans for the belts at Chase Stadium and then in two straight falls and then gave the belts back after they won it. They just wanted to show they could win it. Oh, all right. Sorry about next that. Time. <laughs> okay, thanks. Pat, thanks for your call. Number to call here, 212-477-5610. And I guess that's where seven-second delay really comes in handy. Okay. Uh, the number to call, 477-5610, and uh, we will be here for another half hour or so. And we're going to go back on the phones. Jimmy brings us in a whole new list of names here. Thank you, Jimmy. Doing an excellent job here. We're going to go to Eddie from South Jersey. Hi, John. How's it going? Okay, Eddie. Well, I want to answer one of the uh, trivia questions. Go right yeah. ahead. How about Ken Patera for the other one? Yes, Ken Patera is the man who was the yes. Intercontinental Champion, co-holder of the AWA Tag Championship. Ooh. So, for you, we have two tapes, Wrestling Strangest Matches. Featuring a steel cage match with Randy Savage against Jerry Lawler, female midgets, mix six-man tag, Detroit Battle Royal, and a wrestling classics featuring The Sheik versus Bobo Brazil, Antonina Rocca versus Hans Schmidt, and the tag team match and Gorgeous George coming your way. Thank you. Okay, Eddie, we're going to put you on hold right now. Can I ask you one question, John? Yes, go right ahead. How was the pressure on the Donahue show when you saw Vince walked in? I heard he was surprised. He wasn't. You guys didn't even know he was supposed to show up. Good question. Yeah, we did not know he was. He was asked to appear, and he initially declined, and then agreed because Dr. D. David Schultz uh, then said, "If he, if we get Dr. D. David Schultz, if the Donahue people get Dr. D. David Schultz off the show, he would show up." Now. When we found out before the show that Vince was going to be there, everybody was excited. Everybody was happy because, uh, you know, you want to have a, a forum where points can be debated back and forth. Uh, the, uh, like I said, the moment... 
that we saw Vince for the first time was when Donahue, when Phil Donahue himself brought him in to the uh, to the green room, and this was about ten minutes before showtime, and Donnie was going to give us the. Uh, in the ground rules for the show and walks in with Vince McMahon and like I said Vince just looked at all of us and just said how you doing guys and no one said anything back to him you know it was kind of cold mm. silence you could cut the tension with a knife how about when he was going to commercial like during commercial like when you're home you can't see yeah well basically what was going on I was sitting next to Dave Meltzer was sitting next to Vince and uh, Vince during the uh, commercial breaks was just looking over to Dave and myself and just saying, you know, guys, I didn't know this was going on. You know, maybe this is a good thing. Uh, maybe this will clean this, clean this up. You know, if I honestly knew this was going on, uh, I certainly would have done something about it. And he was trying to be as, as sincere as he could, mm -hmm. but uh, you could look right through him and see where he's coming from, you know. Okay. But, uh, you know, anyway, we're, we're going to talk all about this uh, in our double issue of the, of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight Weekly. And now I did a, a piece in the, in the weekly coming up called Diary of a Madman, which pretty much focuses on the last two weeks that I've gone through and all the media people I've spoken to, the behind-the-scenes Donahue stuff. Uh, that'll all be coming up uh, in the Pro Wrestling Spotlight Weekly in the next issue. And I think everybody out there who wants the inside information on what happened behind the scenes and how, my, how the schedule was for the last two weeks for me covering the story... Everything is written in there. Okay. All righty. Great. Let's, Thanks a lot, John. Okie doke. Let's toss out another Gary Capetta trivia question okay. while people are calling in. Uh, just name one wrestler who's repeatedly attacked Gary Michael Capetta while he tries to make his ring announcements. And we'll give two tapes for that one, too. Because there are some wrestlers that are out for him. And I think I should get five tapes for being attacked so many times. You should get more than that. <laughs> okay. I've seen you take some falls. <laughs> okay, we're going back to the phones. Adam from Flushing. Adam, you're next. Hi, good evening, John. How are you doing, Adam? I just had uh, one question. I want to answer the uh, first question also. Sure. Okay, was it the Tolis Brothers? No, they were the tag team champions. Uh, Tolis Brothers um, held the belts uh, in around 63 until they uh, they lost in early 64 to Argentina Apollo and Don McClarity. They won them actually in two straight falls from Gorilla Monsoon and Killer Kowalski in the Teaneck Armory. Okay, now my question was, Nikita Koloff came back to the uh, WCW, mm -hmm. yet they won't tell you why. I was wondering if you uh, knew. I think he's going to come back to help Sting. From what I know, he's not telling anybody. Uh, he hasn't declared his intentions. I think that um, either this week or next week, I forget uh, which of the week weekends it airs, WCW on their magazine break, they're going to show you the press conference once again, except this time they're going to show you the press conference in slow motion, highlighting Nikita's every action. And I think that when you see that, you'll have a better idea as to why Nikita Koloff has returned to WCW. Okay. Number to call, 212-477-5610. We'll take a couple more calls before we go to the uh, next commercial break here. Let's go to John from Brooklyn. John, you're next. How are you, John? How are you doing? Okay. I have a question, and I have also a... Uh Take a crack at the uh, trivia. Go right ahead. Uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe if you can answer this or not, but uh, is there an organized crime factor in the WWF? I have no idea. I, I know there are allegations to that. Yeah, the word made uh, by Billy Graham here on this program back in January, but uh, I don't even want to touch that question. I have yeah. no idea. Yeah, okay. Answer the question now. Uh, yeah, can I take a shot at the trivia question? Sure. Uh, who constantly was after Gary Michael Capetta? Could it be uh, from old days back in WWF? Sure could I'm be. George the Animal Steel. You got it. That's all right. right. Whoa. <laughs> okay. All right. And I hope this Green guy... Green tongue and all, right? 
Okay. Ring, tongue, and all, yeah. I hope this guy didn't enjoy it, by the way. No, I, I no, Gary. You do a great job, Gary. Okay, you Thank got you. two tapes coming to you. Wrestling Classics featuring the fabulous Kangaroos in four of the matches, and the Graham Brothers are on that, as is Bruno San Martino. And Wrestling Classics featuring a six-man tag team match. Rogers, Baron, and Maurice against Bobo Brazil, Sailor R. Thomas, and the Calypso Kid, Dory Dixon, as great. well as the Tolis Brothers match. All okay, right, we're going to put you on hold and uh, just give uh, uh, our man Jimmy your name and address, and we'll get these tapes out to you. Is it just me or did the seven second delay not work all that well? Um, yeah. Uh, worked, uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's what <laughs> You know, you know every, every sports show in New York gets that. Even, even to this day, oh, you'll yeah. hear, you listen to WFAN here in New York, the, the big Watt, um, you know, sports network that we have here in New York City. And it's like they have to bleep out stuff all the time or just gloss over it, or you'll hear a gap in the show and then they return to it because it's like everybody calls and says something stupid. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, once uh, Russo starts his radio show and he develops his fan base, um, uh, I start to get a lot of uh, calls that are disparaging and obscene. So we'll have that to look forward to. But uh, getting back to the uh, uh, that last segment, there was a couple things there. Um, that last caller, I mean, he sounded – it wasn't, but Don, didn't he sound a little bit like Walter Kowalski? A little bit, tiny bit to me. Uh, I, don't re- uh, I don't remember. I, I wasn't listening in like yeah. that. I thought it would be him. Yeah, no, it sounded a little like him to me. And the guy Jimmy that we keep referring to that keeps bringing the callers in and – uh-huh. Might be playing the sound effects in there. That actually is uh, the guy that uh, that later became Matt Rat on yes, uh, yes. on, on nice Vince's show. show, and also Vince brought him to the WWF when Vince got hired there. Uh, so uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, uh, the Matt Jimmy. Rat was. I so I remember driving into. I, I remember meeting them and driving into town with them when we were doing the show, and Jimmy was there more often than not, and to help out and uh, it's a fairly n- nice guy and all of that, but uh, everything changes next week. You know, uh, on one of the tapes that Mike was uh, uh, giving away as a prize where he said, uh, we have a tape with uh, the, the fabulous kangaroos. One of those matches on there is when they were on the Kaminsky Kaminsky park in Chicago, the show where um, I was writing this down, uh, Pat O'Connor wins the NWA title from uh uh, Buddy Rogers, and it's an absolutely fabulous match uh, with, with Rogers and O'Connor, and, uh, and it was just so. I mean, Comiskey Park was full. It was night. The lights were on, and because, uh, like I said, the Kangaroos were on there. I had you know no, known that because of uh, Al Costello, uh, my relationship with him. But um, uh, seeing that tape, uh, unbelievable match. Uh, it was just. Uh, you know, like an hour long. and Oh, yeah, and, we had uh, heard about it so many times, how classic that match was. And, yeah. Bob, did you ever see it? I mean, it was fabulous. Everything Don is saying about it is true. It is. I mean, it was just the first time I saw that, I was just glued to the, the set, and I was like, this is freaking awesome. You know, believe it or not, I've never seen that match. Wow. I, I gotta, I gotta make it my while to to check that. I'm one sure out it's on YouTube, man. I'm, it's got to be on YouTube. Yeah. It's got, but it's like fabulous, and the quality was just phenomenal and really? what a great match that was wow but you know i have to give mike omansky credit because yeah you know he was a legitimate big wig in the music industry for sure oh, yeah. working with rca and 
and I think over, Elvis, overseeing the Elvis catalog. The yeah. Elvis catalog, yeah. And, and I think he did the wrestling stuff simply because he enjoyed it. Yeah. I really do. I get the feeling that was his number one deal that he was bringing those tapes out because he enjoyed them. He wanted other he people to see him. That was it. Yeah. Seems like did. a great guy. I, I you know, great I know guy. I spoke with him at least once, but I don't know if he would remember me and I don't remember why I spoke with him. It might have been something he was working on with those tapes at that point. Yeah, very uh classy individual, very smart guy. Smart, uh, yeah. Very, yeah. very, uh very, very cool person. You're on your best behavior when you're around Mike because he makes you a better person in his presence. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's a professor now. He's doing he is. I follow yeah. him on Twitter or Facebook or whatnot, and uh, I believe it's a Catholic college or something like that uh, so anyway yeah. he's classy classy guy he uh he responds a lot on you know to my facebook and because he's always he never will let, you know make me live it down the match i had with dusty uh, <laughs> and he, he comments on it because he was there he was in he was there in person and everything he comments every single comment that he that he sends to me has something to do with John Anthony and, and how I didn't fulfill my uh, potential and, <laughs> and what a shame it was that uh, I never had a rematch and all of that. You know, Johnny, well, you, you mentioned uh, him being at, at the TV matches. People remember back in, in the nineties, uh, particularly in late in the early two thousands, when ECW would have their taping at ECW arena and you'd have you could remember the people at the crowd there. The guy with the with the the straw hat and the flower sign shirt. guy. And and it was when the TV came on, you you recognized those people. It was the same thing really with the WWF TV from Philadelphia, particularly the the front row. There was a gentleman and his wife who came from neighborhood Queens. where I live. Yeah, right. Right. Uh, you remember his name? I, I, I don't, but I met them the one time I went with you there to the tapings. In yeah. fact, he gave us a ride home. Yes. Uh, from Philadelphia. But what the same thing with the crowd in Philly, you could recognize the the, the, the people once in a while. There was Richie Mershon, uh, Walt Wolanski, uh, the, a regular crowd of people on the camera where the, where the hard camera was. So it was very comforting to, to recognize the, the same people. That's true. I remember not knowing any of these people. I remember watching those shows and seeing the same faces in the same spots all the time. That's absolutely true. That's it. It's what gave those shows the flavor they had, you know? Yeah. All those hard this, regulars. I remember, I, I forget which arena it was, but one of the WWF arenas had this really rotund bearded gentleman on the left side of your screen, right you know, I think right, I, I think I remember. I think I remember who you're talking about. I remember saying him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was there for every single broadcast. And of course, the gar- and the garden shows. There was always George Ann. George Ann uh, in, uh, in the second row. Yeah. Georgette Kruger from Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. There was always that same crowd. It was crazy. It was great, and great later, memories, man. In later years at the garden and everywhere else in the East Coast and elsewhere, Vladimir and his gang. Yes. The Vladimir documentary, which is still sitting on the shelf of WWE, that nobody they filmed. Can, and nobody can understand this. Yeah, I think it was at Sundance Film Festival too. They had played it there, but they played it one time at a film festival, and they just just kind of buried it, and no one can understand why they haven't released it because they put a lot of time, effort, and money into a documentary on the super fan Vladimir, and uh, it is just sitting there. 
and Mike Johnson from PWI Insider uh, brings it up a lot. You know, when are you going to air this? You know, the guy's not getting any younger, although he's, you know, in good shape and all of that. But uh, always was in great shape. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And but, you know, you do a, a documentary on somebody. Why don't you release it? You have the platform. You got Peacock there. Put it out there. I hope I'm not misremembering, but I had a, I, I got to know Vladimir a little, little bit because he was everywhere. He was ringside, first yeah. row for every show. Yeah, the East it didn't matter where it was. He was there. It was ubiquitous. Yeah. And I'm talking to him, and I believe we had this conversation that he had a potential date scheduled, and said, "I can't do it. It's wrestling night." Yeah, that's yeah. how serious he was about wrestling. I think we all were very serious about wrestling at one point or another, where, where we probably would have, uh, you know, made our schedules uh, around around that. You know, another person you have to remember at, at all the shows was Blackjack Brown. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't like me. <laughs> you could, couldn't miss Blackjack. He always had that outfit. I remember. No. The gloves uh, and Captain and, Landon. And he was right next to George Napolitano all the time. Blackjack yep. Brown, right? Hung yeah. out with George. To this day, they still do. And I saw him at WrestleCon in ni- 2019. And uh, But he, uh, he never really he never liked me for whatever reason, you know, and really, say, oh, he used to say some really horrible things about me. How uh, does this jealous. work? I don't understand anything. I don't get hey, it. It just, uh, some people just don't like you. What are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, he just never did. And he, uh, and I just never understood it and I didn't give a crap. You know, it's like, you don't like a <laughs> big fucking deal. <laughs> oh my, my. No, fuck Okay. <laughs> well, guys, we have a. Uh, I'm flabbergasted. Anyway, we have uh, two more tiny clips here, shorter ones. Yeah, and then an extra and, one. And then the bonus yes, clip. And you're going to bring us a clip at the end. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. so I, let's. Uh, I, I, let's I couldn't play the show without that bonus clip. Go ahead, Bob. Take it away. Well, I want to do this. I'm going to do this clip because John's got a beef, y'all. Oh, really? John Black has Jack a Brown? beef with this, this clip. <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. I don't, you know, let's find out what John's beef is. Oh, yeah. Mike from Brooklyn, you're next. Johnny Rosie, Mike Lepore. Hey, Mike, how are you? All right, first of all, okay, uh, the trivia question, of course, is the Grand Wizard. We all know that. Okay, if you win two sets. And gorgeous George against Leo DiPaolo. Wow. Okay, that'll be going to some lucky winners at a lot. Definitely. And, uh, and John, I got to tell you, I called in because I, when I heard about the Johnny B. Bad, uh, you know, uh, live uh, thing there. Yeah, I'm going to definitely, John, I got to come down because, you know, it's going to present a great photo opportunity for me. Yes, it is. You know, El- so expect Elvis in Maryland definitely will be down there that night. Beautiful. Should be some great pictures with Johnny B. Bad. And um, also, uh, is Gary Michael Capetta there? Yes, he is. Gary, I- Wait, did you just it- say Elvis is alive? Something You're like talking that. talking to him. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh... Great. Gary, uh, yes. th- this goes back a while. Yes, sir. Your first appearance when Willie Gilsenberg had you announcing from ringside someone threw a hot dog and it landed on your glasses. Uh-oh. Were you there? Yeah. Did you throw that hot dog? No, it wasn't me, but I saw it. Uh, what had happened was, I yeah, I think it was the first night that I officially was announcing in the WWF and one of the fans from ringside flipped a... Well, all I knew was that something hit my head and I lost the eyesight of one of my eyes, and it, as it turned out, they had flipped a hot dog, which had lodged between my eyeglasses and my eyebrow. Oh, man. Slipped. Are you sure you weren't the guy that... No, I swear to God it wasn't oh, okay. Me. You're my friend, then. Yes, sir, and uh, I just thought that was a little piece of trivia, just a little, you know, something. And also, uh, I also remember way back when my father had seen it, and it should have brought up on Donahue that Bruno actually wrestled a monkey, and the monkey beat the daylights out of him, ripped his clothes to shreds and everything. Okay. Yeah, it's, I don't know. 
Just what the hell. That makes All right, John, I'll definitely see you at Press Box Cafe. Okay. Thanks a lot. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Scott from Port Jefferson Station, you're next. Hi, I have a question for John. Okay. Hi, um, I heard around a month ago that there was supposed to be a special referee between the Hogan Justice match at WrestleMania. Yeah, it was going to be Lou Ferrigno, uh, who was with the WBF, but he's no longer with the WBF. Oh, he, he left? Yes, he did. Oh, is Bruce Beefcake ever going to wrestle again? No, I don't think so. And I think Brutus is not even with WWF right now. I think uh, there were some problems uh, with him, and uh, he got uh, suspended for one reason or the other. Thanks for your call. We're going to go to Josh from... Where are you for calling from, Josh? I don't talk. Okay, what can we do for you? Um, I have a question. Go ahead. Um, whatever happened to the diamond stud? He's still around, oh. isn't he, Gary? Is this Big Josh? Are you calling from the North Woods? No. Oh, okay. The diamond stud. The diamond touch. stud had um, had surgery. He was injured, and he's recuperating in Florida right now. Oh. Okay. Thanks for your call. Wait. Whoops. <laughs> I think Big Josh just fell off the mountain. Uh, we are. Um, moving things here at a rapid pace that's why we need two hours you know that's why we need new sponsors and you know i hate to i hate to cry poverty like we do every single week there but if you're a a business a, a man who owns his own business if you like to advertise and reach millions of people maybe not millions but at least thousands and thousands of them call us at the office and advertise and sponsor the pro wrestling spotlight or a woman that owns their own business and of course that's a, that's of course there's that money that's just Business going people. out of our pockets every time we go on the air. It's just a, a thousand and change that we have to, to be here for an hour. You know, that's why we, we're, we move so frantically. It's a frantic pace here. You know, one thing, I just I have a beef, okay? Go. Covering all this stuff, all the publicity that we've gotten here, um, I think it's just ridiculous that I got I to gotta pay money to be on the air. <laughs> you know, John, it, it, I think it's, John says it a little bit tongue-in-cheek. But the folks here in this area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and I, I guess that probably we go out farther than that also. Seven states. Don't realize that there are very few serious uh, radio programs that devote an hour each week to professional wrestling. And John is on top of things here. And people will be complaining if, God forbid, he doesn't get the sponsorship to continue. So now is the time to give them that support. And yeah. uh, I, for one, and I think uh, WCW also supports WEVD 1050 and the spotlight here. It's just, a, it's just a rough go of it. It really is. And each week we don't know what's going on. You know, do we have enough money to go on this week? And, um, you know, I just don't know what to say anymore. It's just uh, I may break down and start crying in a second. You know, I, I, the last few weeks have been just about giving me a nervous breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's going to be our closing theme for tonight. But anyway, folks out there, you know, we're going to take more calls. But I want, I want to, I'm going to invite you. It's even too late to talk about the Booster Club. We've got a lot of things to go over. Call us tomorrow at the office at 516-698-0109. And there goes the number. And there goes uh, the number. I, um, you had a beef, John. And I can see why. Yeah, you know, I always just lobbied, like, why do I have to pay for this? You know, you could have... It was just a brokered time slot, and that was the end of it. And no one was picking up a pro wrestling show, and it was just an ongoing situation. I never had the luxury of being on the air without paying for it, and uh, and it is what it, it is. What it is. It was what it was. But um, it was hard. You know, it was uh, heartbreaking a lot of times, especially as we get into the summer months here, you know, we do have a, uh, you know, many shows consecutively and then it all falls apart 
in uh, in the summer, and we got to go back to WNYG, which was not fun, but we'll be covering all of that. I do want to mention Michael Lepore, Reed, that uh, called in the beginning. Uh, did any of you guys know who this dude is? Michael Lepore. I don't. Okay. He's an Elvis impersonator, and he used to come to my conventions. And even before that, he was one... He, he he was one of the he was one of the original members of the Freddie Blassie fan club. He uh, mm-hmm. uh, subscribed to me, and if uh, you Don brought it up, the Sopranos when that episode where he ran into Big Puss Big Pussy at the hardware store when, when Pussy was hanging out with the FBI guy because Pussy was an informant, and uh, Michael was on that episode, and and Big Pussy kills him <laughs> during that episode. Yeah, so that's Michael uh, Lapore and. Michael was a you know pretty interesting guy and made uh, his living uh, a lot of his living with uh, Elvis impersonating and he used to bring around a Marilyn Monroe impersonator and they both showed up at the live remote in a couple weeks but uh, hmm. Michael is somebody I've known since the seventies you know when uh, had the Blassie fan club and you know there he was he paid his dues and he was a member of it so he's a big Blassie fan. Big, big Blassie fan. And I, I remember actually buying a uh, Blassie ring outfit when Blassie was a manager, a nice orange sequined uh, outfit uh, from Michael at one of the conventions that uh, I kept for many, many years and sold it a couple years ago. You know, so anyway, that's my Michael Lepore story. But uh, we're winding down here, Bob, uh, to the well, end of the show. John, John, you've piqued my interest here. So I think right. we should... I think we should go with what you have for us now. I, I think I, yeah. I can't wait to hear whatever this is because this is uh, yeah. as, as our regular listeners know. I, I tend to pull the clips for the show and that's yes. what we use. But here's a, here's we're going to take a right turn on you because John has a clip for us now. Yeah, I mean it was kind of ironic. Uh, this was the last few minutes of the show. And uh, no one knew, I didn't know, uh, that uh, this would be the last week uh, as uh, having Vince Russo as a partner. I didn't know what was uh, coming down the pike uh, this week, but uh, it got ugly and we split up. But the ending of this show was kind of ironic. It's just kind of ironic of the closing theme uh, that was played that Vince put up there. Uh, And so I'm going to play it for you guys. And then we'll discuss it on the other side. So anyway, here's the ending of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight from March the 22nd, 1992. Now, you can get tied up pretty long at the office answering wrestling questions, Gary. Well, you know, did you say that we're going to be staying here and answering questions after the show? Not answering questions, no. So we'll be giving out uh, free copies of Pro Wrestling uh-huh, Spotlight Week. Okay, because I see your board is still lit up. Fans want to talk to Scoop Arezzi. Yes, John, I think the, uh, by the way, the bulletin, I think you've done a terrific job. I think you and Vince Russo have really done a job on this thing. It is a great publication. You've uh, you started it recently, and it's already up to the top of the sheets in the wrestling business. So I congratulate you guys. I like Vince's editorials, by the way. Thank you very much, and I'm sure Vince appreciates that. I want to thank Gary Capetta for being here and Michael Mansky. Uh, I hate that we're so rushed, but also, if you want the re- the latest wrestling information every single day, write this number down, 900-884-8910, 900-884-8910. 
That is the Pro Wrestling Spotlight information line. New scoops every day. $2 the first minute, $1.50 each additional minute. And don't forget to make your bus trip reservations, 516-698-0109. We're going to return next week with more Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Don't forget to give us a call at 516-698-0109. Until next week when we talk more wrestling, this is John Arizzi. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, uh, that's all, folks. That's all for the partnership with Vince Russo. That was the end of it, and that Looney Tunes uh, ending. When I when I heard it, I was like, I got to include that on the show because that was uh, not a, not the way we ever ended the show, and it was literally that's all, folks. That was it. For real, for real, that was it. That was all, folks. And uh, then uh, next week, it's really going to be an ugly show, man. It's it's it's. Uh, it is my story of what happened during that week uh, that led up to the split up and the conversation. You know, I had Vince on the phone on a three-way with Muchnick, and it was uh, it was it was incredible uh, the tension. And even uh, when I decided that was going to be it, I mean, I brought my brother-in-law down to Russo's office so I can get my stuff and just so he could be a witness and. And Vince runs out of his own video store screaming, and and I mean it was uh, it was uh, it was not uh, pleasant, man. But anyway, we have to, uh, all of that to cover. We have all of that to look forward to, don't we, guys? Mm-hmm. That's going to be so much fun, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> it's going to be. I, fe- I feel for you, Jenna Rizzi, because it couldn't yeah. have been an easy time in your life. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't, but uh, just to kind of give people a preview uh, before we wrap it up here, what's coming up on the podcast. I mean, uh, the guests continue. I mean, I'm looking at uh, the inventory right now, and these are shows I haven't heard for 30 years. But, uh, uh, you know, we have the Russo breakup, and then we cover WrestleMania 8, I believe it was. Uh, then we have the live remote with Johnny B. Bad. Uh, but upcoming shows will feature Paulie Dangerously, The Z-Man, Jim Ross, uh, Cactus returns as he typically does. Then we have a live remote from Scores, that uh, notorious, uh, sh- uh, famous strip club in New York City. This was right before the uh, the change there. We had done a deal with Scores, and uh, we have that live remote with uh, Missy Hyatt, Jason Hervey, Sean Waltman, Alex Morvez on that one. Uh, and then we uh, also have Fumi Saito, Bobby Davis, I mean, one of the legendary managers, uh, Wendy Richter. I mean, so we have a lot of stuff coming up. So uh, all I could say is that uh, each and every week, as I talk about, you know, we're kind of the only show that has the audio to back up the history that we talk about. We have the guests. We have what happened in real time uh, here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight podcast. And, uh, gentlemen, once again, every week, it's always a pleasure to be hanging with you guys and talking about all of this stuff that took place when we were much younger. John, it's a privilege to be here. I really mean it. It's great to be with you and Don every week and, uh, Alex and, uh, I'm having a blast, and I hope the listeners are too. That's the important thing. I hope that everybody that's taking in the podcast is having a great time hearing it. Yeah, and I, I wish that everybody would share it. Uh, you know, I know we have an audience that's very devoted, very hardcore, very into what we do. And, uh, uh, you know, you wish that you could reach the masses, but what we're doing is such a niche show. 
I think that the people that listen to it and the people that are patrons, uh, they really understand and appreciate what this show meant to them. And even the ones that didn't listen 30 years ago and are listening for the first time today, uh, they get hooked on it and they love it. And we get great response. Uh, and we would love uh, to keep growing this audience because uh, we got a lot to cover uh, in the pro wrestling business and the personal turmoil that it uh, caused in my life and even in Don's life because he saw me go through it all. Uh, he was always there for, you know, oh my God, Johnny, what's going on today? It's like, well, this is what's going on, my friend. <laughs> There's a lot of talk like that. But anyway, we're here. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week with another uh, great show. So, guys, thank you uh, very much, uh, as always. And now it's time to wrap it up. Uh, this will wrap up this edition of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Uh, we uh, want to remind you once again of the patrons. Uh, please uh, check it out, patreon.com, and that is slash John Arezzi. And we have a public page on Facebook. We have Twitter. Uh, just at John Arezzi, Instagram at John Arezzi. Uh, Sign the number of copies of the book, Matt Memories, is still available. Send me an email, john at mattmemories.com. We have auctions going up on uh, Facebook on the auction site there, which is John Arezzi's Vintage Wrestling Auctions. And merchandise, uh, we're going to have an update for you uh, shortly. I talked to Christian Theodore from Forward Merch, and uh, we're in discussions about some trading cards uh, but we're also uh, I'm also in discussions and I, I'm always very transparent with people I work with and and with Christian and the great job that he did. I mean, the merch is just uh, at a site that's a wonderful uh, merchandise site that handles concerts and Broadway shows. And they do fabulous business there and fabulous work. But uh, wrestling fans, uh, you know, don't really go to that site. So uh uh, we started discussions with another couple of big uh, wrestling merchandise companies about bringing our merchandise over to them. So uh, there'll be more information on that as that develops. John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight is a production of Matt Memories, LLC. Our co-host is Bob Smith. Our producer and editor is Alex Robertson. Donnie Leibel covers the time capsule each and every week. The Pro Wrestling Spotlight's creative director is our friend Marsh, and thanks to the Patreon executive producers, Jeremy Priest and Matt Walsh, and all the patrons for your support for the production of this show. Until next week, when we relive more history with you, this is John Arezzi for the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. <laughs>